This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. This programme is for mature audiences only. Please have your fake ID ready. Welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech, the weekend edition. Featuring Sean Priest, Tim Schwartz, Robin Christofferson, Sally Clay. But first, that blind guy himself, it's Stephen Scott. Hey, welcome to it then. We're here for the 6th of March. This is the Sunday version of the weekend edition. Robin Christofferson is back here it as is. always. Here he is, the <laughs> land of all he surveys. I do love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And also, Sally Clay's here. Yay. Hello, darlings. <laughs> That's the only reason I play that now. It's just like, I've got to hear that accent. I know. Oh, it's nice to be back again. Uh, yeah, seven days a week this show. What are we doing? What is going on? Stephen's bored. L- lots of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say, not only am I bored, I have been <clears throat> spending a little bit too much this week as well. Um, <laughs> what's over here this week? Let me hang on. Hang on. Ow. Hang on. I need to get a new chair. This Talk chair amongst yourselves. Me. You so have a new chair arm again, have you? I'm going to open the parcel right here on the oh. show. This is a new parcel from that shop with a smile. Um, I have Bose frames, right? Uh, <laughs> <goodness> <laughs> <sake>. Bargain. <laughs> yeah, so this is all because of Tim Dixon on Twitter, who got in touch this week to say, hey, uh, the Bose frames, the Alto ones that are, are for the, uh, let's just say the larger head, um, they are now down to 83 quid. On uh, Amazon, from, from 150, I think it was, 130. Mm-hmm. Um, Should have got two. Uh, well, yeah, well, Gordon Anthony <laughs> got in touch on Twitter to say he did buy two as a result of that tweet. And uh, we mentioned it here on the episode uh, last week. And um, Yvonne Holt got in touch as well. She says, loving the show. She says, but I can't, can't find these on Amazon. So I did send her the link so she could find them. So oh, hope you got them, Yvonne. Um, That's what they're banking on, though. Buy two, you know. Exactly. the price, you get two. The thing is, before I met you for coffee, Sal, I went to John Lewis, and they had these sitting. They were they were second hand, and they were eighty quid. And I thought, oh, now the Scottish in me thought ah, three pounds saving that'll do me very nicely. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I ended up just opting for these. I, I I got the one pair. They're still on sale, I think, at that price. So I might buy another pair because they're so good. But then I will also remind you that Robin here. Um, has a fantastic deal going with Bose that every time he smashes them off a wall, as is, whilst they're on his face, I should add. Cupboard um, doors, usually. Yeah. He uh, he gets a new pair, just like that. So so I bought the first ones on eBay, and they, the person who was selling them um, hadn't had them that long because they were still in warranty. Banged my face off the first cupboard door, and, you know, oh, in warranty. They sent me a brand new pair. This happened four times. Each Four time times. the warranty started from the beginning again, the year. So, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? So, guys, if you have bought these and you do bang your face <laughs> off something, they will break. Unfortunately, the arms do, you know, as soon as they have been pushed out sideways a bit because of, you know, knockage, then knockage. you'll probably find that they don't work anymore. <laughs> but fret not. Send them back and they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Oh, hang on. So I've just read some breaking news. Bose has gone into liquidation because of <laughs> over-reliance on sending yeah. stuff to Robin. Sorry, you've, you've Paying killed an blind entire tax. industry. Yeah. Um, so I've got five boxes. They come in a nice little flippy box and five charging cables uh, and no glasses. Oh, uh, well, oh, dearie me. You don't like sunglasses much, Sal, for this kind of stuff, do you? Because, so, again, that's the thing. You, yeah, it's okay, great. It's, it's brilliant having the speakers on your face, but you've got to have the sunglasses there as well, right? If, I don't that suits me, but I don't know if it suits oh, you. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm terrible, aren't I? I'm being so negative. Um, but, no, I, I don't want sunglasses. They'd have to be pretty, pretty interesting, you know, uh, visually. They'd have to be aesthetically appealing for me to want. I haven't tried them, though. 
So, um, no, I don't really want glasses, to be honest. I'd rather just have either headphones or the bone conductors. So yeah. that's where I'm going to stay, I'm afraid. The other purchase that I made while I was out with Sally was um, I bought myself a MagSafe wallet for my iPhone. Um, and it's interesting, it's funny because you, you often just assume people know what these things are, but of course you know, people don't, and especially blind people, right? We don't necessarily know what something looks like. It's just because I'm in this world. I, uh, I knew what it was, but um, a lot of people, I think, thought that the MagSafe wallet was actually like a folio case for the phone. Mm-hmm. A flippy but- over front <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can do it now. We can do it. I can't say it anymore. No, I can't. No. I'm terrified to use that word. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, it's not the case. It just, it just is a little backpack that connects onto the back of the phone. Um, it really sits below the camera bump, so you maybe covers two thirds of the back of the device, uh, and it obviously has to be connected to well either the, the smartphone itself or with a case which is appropriately built to handle MagSafe. You can't just buy any old case from Amazon and, and then attach this. Uh, this wallet to it because you know it doesn't have the magnets in it what i do prefer is though that um is to have a wallet my wallet and phone separate but this is pretty good because it's big enough that i think if you did get it taken that that you would kind of know well the other reason i wanted this is because it has find my bill in so Mm -hmm. if for example leave it behind somewhere you can use your smartphone to find it so it'll just beep at you. I mean, that's cool, right? You that can't is really find cool. It, go Especially and... when the like, if someone does nick it and they're running off down the road and you just go, no, wait, <laughs> come back here. <laughs> yeah, you can chase after them. Yeah. Hmm. So cute can... chase music. <laughs> <laughs> it can take one credit card, right? Uh, well, I, could, I can get two in there. You can you can squeeze in two. So whether you've got one or two, can you still do chi charging through the uh, case no. and the credit no. card? Because the, the wallet doesn't... So I've got my little MagSafe connector here. I've got this Belkin power boost thing. And it kind of holds, but then it just falls off. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so you have to ideal. whip it yeah. off when you want you to charge the off. phone. That's annoying. That is annoying. I've also, I've also bought the battery pack for it as well. I love MagSafe accessories. I think that's my yeah, problem. Right. These companies just know how to get me because I love <laughs> accessories. I love it more than the devices half the time. Um, I really like accessories as well, though. They are great. It's just, I love buying stuff like that. Billy B on Twitter says, um, because Sean had mentioned the fact that he thought it was a folio case, and and uh, he says, like you, Sean, I thought that the leather MagSafe wallet was a folio type case to hold cash and cards. A friend who had already bought one let me hold it to understand its design, and I agree with you, Sean. Pointless and overpriced. Um, <laughs> Billy myself. So, yeah, thanks, Billy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm not suggesting anybody buys this thing. I just bought it because I wanted it. If you don't want to buy it, it's up to you. But um, I know you can't go into the Apple Stop with Apple Stop. Apple I know Stop. you can't go into the Apple. S- I can't say this right. Sure. I know you can't go into the Apple Store without yes. buying something. No, I can't. I can't. I didn't need anything that day. And no, I spent, I, and you I were looking at me. Do you want this? One pounds. Yep. And, and you were looking at me. Do you want this? I said no. I don't. <laughs> Do I buy something? Somebody's got to buy something. Exactly. What was the point of the shop otherwise? Uh, listen, let's get to a couple of emails, right? Because uh, we do, we do get lots of and lots of emails, and um, this is just for Gordon, by the way, because I know he adores this. Yes, he loves the jingle. Email. We get email. We get your email every day. Every day. Here's your mail today. Hallelujah. Yeah, mail. Well, it's Sunday, right? So you know, do Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't quite know why I started to become a preacher from the South of America, but there you go. Well, you're blind. It's fine. It goes with the territory. It just goes with it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, I was... I, this surprises people, but I was a, a church organist for many years. That was my thing. Hmm. Really? Nobody on earth would believe that. But I, I don't... I'm st- I still have trouble believing this. I, I used to... I used to you, know, you go to these events and people say, tell us something about yourself that's true, tell us something that's a lie, you yeah. know, like an icebreaker. And um, I always used to say I'm a church organist. And what was the other one I used to say? Lion a lie. tamer? Is that a lion? Yeah, exactly. Let's say I was a lion tamer. And people would go, well, he's more likely to be a lion tamer than a church organist, <laughs> I would have thought. <laughs> but yeah, I was a church organist for many, many years. But um, Were you the one yeah, that plays well, out of time, you know, when they're, when they're kind of um, doing the the hymns and then everyone's going oh god that organist's terrible oh, you that great, one? I was a brilliant organist were you organist. a good one I, I was because what happened was my teacher who I'm well I'm not going to say he's no longer with us I don't know if he is or not but um, <laughs> but he was, it was uh, that, this was at primary school right primary seven when I was and that's when I was doing this I was actually doing the church wow. organ then 
he was a, a church organist as well. He used to do the 12 o'clock mass and I did the 10.30 in the morning on a Sunday. And what would happen is I would go in and I would play and more people came to my mass than his because they preferred me playing. They said he played it like the whirlets are at Blackpool and I played it softly. <laughs> a soft, soft play. So, you Index. know, for that reason... Exactly. Things you don't know about me, you see. It's mm. fascinating, isn't it? You still get this on TikTok. Oh, I once um, taught IT. Just thought I'd slip that, well, that in there. That makes sense to me, though. Does it? Because because I don't I don't think of you as less. Mm. Moving on. Uh, right, so Gordon Anthony <laughs> says... <laughs> Gordon says, Hi, Stephen. Wow, over 30 shows and I'm still listening every day. You must be doing something right. I was going to leave a message on your phone line, but I am just getting over a cold... And I didn't think you'd appreciate me coughing and sneezing while I tried to explain this. I really enjoyed the chat on the last weekend edition last week. You covered a lot of interesting stuff. One point I'd like to expand on is the issue of AI. I know there's been a lot of improvements in recent years, but one aspect still has a way to go, in my opinion. If I ever go into an unfamiliar building, it would be nice to take out my phone and quickly scan around to find out what is around me. Apps like Seeing AI and Vision and TapTapSee all require you to take a photo, then twiddle your thumbs while it plays some music and thinks about the scene before giving a description. Now, not only is this uh, time lag frustrating, it could lead to issues if other members of the public wonder why a strange chap with a long cane is taking photos of them. So far, <laughs> I've only found three apps which give a real-time response as you move your camera around. Google Lookout is the best by far. However, as an iPhone user, I've had to ask my wife to download it onto her Pixel phone to let me try it out. It was very good indeed, and I spent a long time wandering around the house, being amazed at the feedback. Eventually, my wife wrestled the phone back. Um, <laughs> but we did try comparisons between Lookout and apps like Envision and Seeing AI. In every case, Lookout provided faster, more detailed, and more accurate responses. For the iPhone, though, the only apps I found are AI Poly and a fairly new one called My Finder. AI Poly gives us uh, rather erratic results, and although I've found it useful on a couple of occasions, like when I got lost in my back garden and needed to locate the house door, it also told me that there is a cash machine in my bedroom. I wish! <laughs> my finder is rather better and does give good responses most of the time, although it plays music constantly while it's scanning your environment. The biggest problem with it is it does not recognise doors. If I'm in an unfamiliar place, I do like to know where the doors are, so this is a big drawback for this app. On a practical level, though, I did need to find my way out of a large room recently. I tried several apps, but not one of them could give me enough information to let me find the way out. I ended up using Be My Eyes, and the volunteer guided me out within a few seconds. So AI is good, but it's nowhere near as good as a pair of human eyes. There you go. May I make a reference to SuperSense here? Because I would say that that is really good um, at these kind of things. And it does do, it does play irritating music, which, which annoys me, but, um, it's kind of does this little do, 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 and it keeps doing it over and over again. You think, what, why? But I guess it's just kind of auditory feedback. Um, but it is really good at finding you can, what you can actually do, which I, I find fascinating is take a photo of the members of your family, for example. And if you are looking for, say your child in the playground, Again, you might feel a bit embarrassed waving a camera about, um, but you could find them because um, it can make a reference to their face and learn it. So I have actually done that a couple of times and found my child. Um, you can't, I don't know about doors, though, because I tend to use my echolocation to find doors, so I don't tend to need it for that. Um, well, you're a clicky one. Are you the clicky person? No, I, I'm not, but I... Well, very occasionally I will, but... Um, yeah, for that, I would use, uh, and for big buildings, like, for example, when I go to collect my daughter from school, there's a huge, great car park, and there's a big building in the middle, and there's no way I'd find it any other way. And people have suggested find my and or air tags and all sorts of weird things, but I, mm. I, I know, I, I always tend to use my collocation for that. So I do click, but very minimally. Mm. Um, but SuperSense is great for these kind of things. So just maybe give that a go and see what you think of it. I must say, though, on the uh, camera app on iOS... Just point it at things and it'll say what it sees. It does object recognition. Do you need LiDAR for that? Uh, super LiDAR for that? Mm, yeah, but just try the camera app. I just did it while we were, while uh, you were reading that email, uh, Stephen. I muted myself and I waved it around just to double check. And yes, it speaks things. It said pot, plant yeah, in a pot. That, yeah. But what I mean is, sorry, do you need a pro for that? Because um, I tried it on my Mini and I can't get it to do it. So maybe this I'm doing something This is an SE. Wrong. 
too. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, no, did yeah. I, right. I, did I will definitely well. have a go. You have to have focus on the viewfinder element, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh, yeah, because I, I actually noticed that. this the other day for the first time. I'd, I'd heard about it, but I didn't know it. And it was, I was, <laughs> I was uh, same thing. I'd obviously gone into the camera app to do something, and um, it just started reading out things in front of me. And I'm going, how did it? What's going on? And then it and re- do you need oh. the camera in video mode or is it in photo mode? You don't do anything. Just, you just well, I don't open think it up have and it in then... Because the viewfinder is always live anyway, isn't right, it? Okay. So, Yep. And if you um, have recognised faces in photos in your photos app, like your children, then it should spot those because it says, you know, Robin top left or something. Um, so you could wave that around in the playground and it hopefully mm-hmm. would spot your kids. I should try that, Sal. That sounds interesting. I didn't, I didn't realise I could tell you that. Okay. Yep. Um, I think she's off to try it right now. <laughs> it's like she's muted and she's off to try Yeah, I'm muted. I was, I was fiddling I about with the camera. Sorry. I'm off to try this. Yeah, go on. See so if cool. you... Um, I will. I'll have a look. And, but, and but do you know, I do, I do still think my 10-year-old would be mortified if, if she saw me doing this. She's, Mum, put it away. I did actually go into the school. I know this is deviating from the topic, but I think you guys will find this funny. I went into school at Christmas. I decorated my white cane beyond ridiculousness with baubles and tinsel and a huge big flashing nose on the game <laughs> and uh, and yeah of course why not you know why wouldn't well, you I do that? and uh, yes I, I attracted much attention much to her chagrin she was oh. absolutely devastated by mortified <laughs> by the whole affair so yeah I have to think of her occasionally you are a mum and you will embarrass her that's the way it yes, works exactly that is my job so about Lookout, though, I totally agree. Google are the kings of object and oh, OCR, amazing. object recognition. Absolutely, yeah. I wish that would come to the iPhone. I'm hoping it will eventually. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that is a fantastic app. It's a shame you need to... <laughs> it's a shame you need an Android phone. I don't mean it that way. I just mean, you know, it's just, you need a separate device if, you, if you're if you an iPhone user. Uh, Rebecca's obviously been listening in yesterday. Uh, she says, go watch Star Trek, Stephen. You'll love it. Okay, fine, fine. Um, she says, uh, yes, people can fall in love with AI. This is uh, picking up on last week's mm-hmm. conversation about falling in love with AI or at least um, falling in love with a voice. Uh, it is creepy. A few years ago, I heard about the idea of replacing visitors to nursing homes with robots designed to provide emotional support for seniors who were lonely. Nothing replaces human interaction, she says. I was unable to see a family member who passed away at the hospital due to complications Mm. during surgery. The hospital was not allowing visitors during the pandemic. This is a very difficult issue for many people. I'm totally blind and can't social distance, so I prefer to limit how much I go out. There is something comforting about visual, uh, virtual interaction. I can control my environment. Um, she goes on to say, I use NVDA and JAWS, and sometimes one screen reader is better depending on the task at hand. NVDA takes fewer system resources to run. I uh, don't mean to sound so harsh on Android, but I can't think of an app I'd want to use. Look out, for one. <laughs> mm. um, but she says, I have found that it is best to use apps on the platform they were designed for unless the app is cross-platform. For example, I can't recommend using MS Word on the Mac. No, that could I. Um, uh, she's yeah, on to talk work. about, and, and this is kind of similar <laughs> to uh, the email we read out yesterday from you, Rebecca, but she says, I had a much better experience on Windows. I do like the Mac's menu system and its consistency across all apps. The Mail app is good. While I applaud Apple for caring about representation in regards to voice, Apple should allow users to choose their own synthesizer. Allow third-party vendors. Um, Tim, uh, this is picking up on the comments, of course, about the new city voice, but she points to Tim on this. She says, I think you and I can agree that the political climate in the US isn't ideal when it comes to embracing the idea of being uncomfortable and having your views challenged. I actively seek out people with diverse perspectives, which is why I always keep tuning in every week to this podcast. Politicians could learn a thing or two about having civil discussions that don't involve uh, other othering people. Thank you for a thought-provoking show. Um, thank you, Rebecca. Can I just revisit the AI um, support or kind of, um, Mm. you know, preventing isolation or kind of, uh, you know, companionship? I mean, in the future, there may well be robots that are completely indistinguishable from humans. And, you know, they they have artificial intelligence, they have artificial skin, they, you know, think of data or someone, Star Trek, going back there, Um, you know, I, well, we we kind of briefly touched on it last time about rights, you know, r- rights for robots and that sort of thing. 
in the future, I think there will be a time where they will be on an equal level when it comes to the richness of relationships and stuff like that. But just very briefly to talk about um, today. So if you had AI that had, you know, any level of support and reassurance and companionship and interaction for people today for whom there is no other option, you know, because they're isolated or maybe they have a disability like uh, autism, which makes them really averse to social situations. They find them really stressful. Um, if you think back to, you know, Terminator, like in T2, where the mum's thinking, well, um, you know, this this Terminator, even though he's a killing machine, he's now the friend of my son and he's mm. never, ever going to get impatient with him, lose, you know, get angry with him because he's a robot. You know, he's going to always be there for him. He's never going to let him down. You know, you could imagine that... Um, particularly when someone finds normal life in quotes stressful or isolating for whatever reason if you've got an ai that has any level of benefit to you socially um so long as that you know is programmed in such a way that it's not going to insult you or it's not going to you know be inconsistent or whatever i think there's huge value there maybe we're not talking today but we could be talking in the near future for that kind of uh you know, that level of support, just like you were saying, you know, robots in a, you know, if they can come and say some kind words to somebody who has not allowed any other visitors, um, I think there's value there. Yeah, I would agree. It's a long, long, long time away, I feel, given how, <laughs> you know, I know we kind of have this thing, don't we, of oh, robots are going to come out, you know, are going to develop this level of emotional intelligence or whatever. But I do, do actually think it is incredibly far into the future. Um, I just the only reason I say that is is because I'm actually married to a software engineer, and he always talks about how far in the future it is, you know. And actually, we we talk about it as if it's going to be tomorrow, but actually, how how much that would take from where we are now for that to happen. But I I do think the kind words thing is, you know, and even silly things like affirmations, you know. Yeah. Um, I say silly, but even small things like affirmations could be incredibly useful. You say that, but then when my echo at says, you know, if I say good morning, I, I don't know why I do it. I sometimes just say good morning and she'll say good morning or, you know, I'll ask her what day it is and she'll say it's Tuesday. Hope you're having a great day. And I'm like, oh, get lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, know. but that's who you're from. Horses Glasgow, for courses, I think. Me, isn't it? I do wonder, though, because picking up on your point there, Robin, about um, the, the meaningful conversation or, Sally, you said affirmation. Mm-hmm. I think all that's good, but I wonder if if the more intelligent this gets, and essentially the more human this, whatever it is, becomes, software or robot or device or whatever it is, becomes, does that actually become problematic? Does it, be, does it make it more difficult for those people? Because essentially what the, the response they're getting is going to be dependent on the input. So instead of just giving you that you know, that, that basic bland response. It might be a case of if you're having a bad day, oh, just shut up, and it goes, don't talk to me like that. Then, you well, know, it, that, that might actually be off-putting to but, some But people. surely that is the choice, though. You know, that's up to, at, at the mercy of the, the user, and you would buy one that's profile is suited to your temperament yeah. or to your, to your specific needs, say if you are autistic or something like that, and you do have a problem with that kind of input. You're not going to buy a robot that has that level of humanity, I would suspect. I mean, AI is definitely a thing today. You know, we've been talking about objects and, you know, facial recognition mm. and text and stuff like that. So it's definitely a thing today. The thing that we're talking about being a long way off is GAI, General Artificial Intelligence, where it's not limited to a certain domain like object recognition. Mm -hmm. It's actually mimicking the breadth of intelligence of a, of a human. And that's, yeah, decades away. But the, in, within a certain domain, there can be, um, you know, you can write software with, uh, you know, neural networks and that sort of thing, which can present as really quite intelligent within that very limited domain. And one might be support for people who um, need to, you know, get certain information, be reminded about things, um, you know, conversations within certain uh, fixed topics or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see. Anyway, we will mm. see. But I'm optimistic that it's going to be really beneficial for a lot of people going forward. Yeah.
Negative Julian got in touch. Remember Negative Julian? He used to get in touch with us all the time on the old show. Uh, he says, hello, Stephen, and whichever team members are around today. Uh, <laughs> I am responding to your episode, Battle of the OCR Apps. Uh, they are one of my favourite types of app, and I could rattle off a long list of ones I've tried, but that would be bad for your blood pressure, as they're all Android. <laughs> I would like to name one app, though, Via Opta uh, Daily, actually, Via Opta Daily from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Good luck spelling that on your uh, on your device. Um, but this is a decent little app, he says. Uh, it's free, logical, clearly designed, and basically it does what it sets out to do. It does text detection, colour detection, basic object identification, and currency identification. Not sterling, but it will do any others. Um, the app also has an integration with Be My Eyes. That speaks of uh, respectability, doesn't it? Uh, this is not a heavyweight, all bells and whistles sort of OCR app, but it does what it says on the tin. It does seem unfair that it never, ever gets a mention. Well, there you go, just did, via Opta Daily. Uh, on the subject of never getting a mention, the same company also produces a navigation app called Nav by Via Opta, N-A-V, by Via Opta, I'm not a great user of GPS, but this one seems well-written and full-featured. No one ever mentions it. No, I don't work for Novartis Pharmaceuticals Conversation. <laughs> I just think that it's rather unfair to the developer and unhelpful to potential visually impaired users that they are totally ignored. Regards, negative Julian. Well, great to hear from you, actually, <laughs> uh, who did get in touch already, I should say, with an, a, a very interesting story about a piece of kit, which we will talk about in upcoming weeks. But uh, I want to get into a bit more and understand more about it before we... We talk there about that. But, uh, yeah, that, that is very interesting. We should say self-named for new listeners. He he, that, he gave himself that appellation there. I thought he Negative might have Julian. done, actually. Very yes, tongue should, Yes, you're right. I should say that. Yes, absolutely. Um, right. he, he gave himself that moniker, not us. <laughs> Going back to specialist versus mainstream, um, this is kind of a, a slight twist on it, but we were talking earlier about, look out, shame it's not on the iPhone. Now, if, if the iPhone is your go-to, and that's absolutely fine, you could still buy a really decent Android phone to have as your lookout device. And if you want to whack other really good Android apps on there as well, like he was talking about there, brilliant, great, you know, have two. How much would that be? 80 quid, 150? I don't know. Take your pick. There's so many to choose from. Um, and that's still probably, you know, a really good deal when it comes to this is my specialist, you know, uh, getting about device or recognizing mm -hmm. objects mm -hmm. device or whatever I do it might kind of, be. Yeah, I, I do kind of justify the cost in my head as well sometimes by the fact that luckily in the UK, and I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but we have PIP, you know, personal independence payments. So yeah. we do have money set aside for us to use for our impairment, you know, for costs that are incurred by our impairment. So for me, I justify buying tech that is, a, you know, assistive tech um, by using kind of set ring fencing that money to buy it, you know, and, and I sort of feel that that's incredibly justified, given that these costs are extra co uh, costs that are incurred because of our vision impairment. I've got a complete off, off topic question, but it's based around PIP. Do you have, do you go with the motability screen uh, yes. scheme? Yep, yeah, because in case people are, well, I'm thinking about it for our next car. But we should cover that at one point because um, people might think that, you know, what, a car for a blind person is totally a thing. If you've it got is. somebody sighted yep. who can drive it, it doesn't have, have to be driver. someone who's in the house. Excuse me. Yeah. It's not that blind people can't drive cars. It's that they won't let us drive cars. <laughs> I don't think I'd let me drive a car. I, I can drive fair. a car, no problem. I can absolutely drive it straight into a wall. No problem. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just whether mm -hmm. or not you want that to be the case. Uh, Ryan Fluda gets in touch. He says, uh, hi, uh, everybody. You talked about people having to give trigger warnings on YouTube. Well, just the other day on our uh, TV news station, CTV, the anchor said that uh, I now have to warn people the next segment has flashing lights, which, as we know, could trigger a person with some types of disabilities. And I'm wondering what's next. Is every segment going to have a warning because who is to say what will trigger someone and what won't? Anyway, great conversation on all that from uh, all of us here. Um, you absolutely have yeah. to have that warning. I was going to say that, that, that one seems quite important to me. seems incredibly <laughs> important. Photosensitive yeah. epilepsy, that person having a seizure could knock someone out. fall over, crack the head on the corner of a table and die. 
So, well, yeah, yeah no, that is incredibly important. I don't think that can be compared in the least <laughs> to a trigger warning. I think that is a complete, in a, on a completely different level. Well, that, that, that's a proper trigger warning, isn't it? I mean, this could trigger something which could have an impact on your life as opposed yeah. to, you know, this might offend you because you're, you know, you're a little snowflake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different. You know, I, yeah. I, I actually think more offence is what we need to get. We need to be more offended in our world. We need to stop... <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is that I, I still see a lot of these conversations going on on social media and you think what is going on in the world right now should serve as a wake-up call to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Let's stop arguing about stupid stuff. What word is right? And let's, you know, let's, oh, well, we can't use that word because it'll offend someone. Just get over it, guys. Come on. Just stop Wouldn't this it be nonsense. Great if one good thing that came out of this horrible, horrible situation is a bit of perspective... Well, that's what we need, but but I I see it online all the time. People Mm. saying, for example, I saw one the other day where, yesterday actually, I saw someone had put up an article about a train journey between Glasgow and Edinburgh and how, as a result of, um, I think, cuts or or shortages of staff, that the train was essentially full of people and they were Mm. jammed in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people were saying, oh, come on, you know, try getting on the last train out of Ukraine and then complain, right? Mm. You know, what are you complaining about? And someone's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it can't... Well, is it unfair to bring it up just because there's a war on? You see this war this, this war of words start online. People start shouting at each other saying, well, you know, it's an issue and that's fine. It, 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 and it's like, yeah, but you're missing the point. The point is that this should give you some pause. Is what you're going through that big a deal at that moment? Right? But this is what online is about you know this is what online does and this is why i try hard not to use these kind of social media um apps and things because this is what it does to the brain this is this is how this is how it causes us to interact focus on minutiae you know on a kind of snapshot basis you know and that's why i feel that it's really important to step away from your tech when you need to you know step away from the facebook step away from twitter you know yes they're very important at times but if you're on it all the time that that's the danger that's the side effect of these kind of apps mm-hmm. in my opinion dangerous i like it when people when they do complain about you know minor things say first world problem i know kind of you know mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. uh, that's fine because it's at least telling us that they're aware of the fact that this is this is nothing really. Yeah, I'm not so, saying no one can complain about anything ever. Yeah. Right? I mean, of course, we're all going to complain about something. I, I'll complain about most things most days, but it's it's also just being able to stop yourself and understand yeah. that it... I think what bothers me are the people who immediately go to DEFCON, whatever the bad one mm, is. Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I just get so one. fed up with that. It's like, everything's terrible. Yeah. And it's like, the world has to stop and we've got to discuss it and and it's just about perspective sometimes. Um, and I, I agree with you, Sally. I, I think getting off social media, getting mm-hmm. away from it. I think play, we talked about Clubhouse, I think it was it last week or week before? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. We last did, we week. Had a, and, and Robin brought up a really interesting point, which we, we didn't get into the episode. We had to, because we had to, we had to get something out because, you know, this could go on forever. We, we talk so much and, and it's a great conversation, but you've also got to, got to cut it somewhere. Um, but you brought up a point about how toxic Clubhouse can be. And yeah. I'd say all social media can be toxic, if I'm honest, but, you, but you're absolutely right to say that because Clubhouse is often heralded as a place where great ideas and uh, cryptocurrency scams are emerge. <laughs> um, but ultimately, and it is a place for good conversation. And in, in some ways, I thought that it might be a better place to be because people have to talk to one another. They don't mm. have to tweet at each other. They're not sitting behind a keyboard. They actually talk. So they'll hear. If someone's upset by something you say, you'll hear that and you'll respond appropriately. And sadly, you can leave as well. You, can, you can leave, leave the room. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you don't like it, you can say, but look, I'm going I'm not then. hearing much of that on, on, on there sometimes. I just hear people no. essentially talk at each other quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are going to use social media, it's really important that you curate what you see, who you follow. And having a third-party app like Spring um, can help with that because if you use the first-party Twitter app, they give you a lot of content that you haven't subscribed to, (laughs) you haven't signed up for. Um, A lot of, you know, ad-supported stuff or um, promoted tweets and stuff like that. So the, the reason why Clubhouse I find challenging is because even though you haven't signed up, you haven't joined any clubs that are remotely about NFTs, you still get them. Mm-hmm. And various other, you know, rooms that are 
negative. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's my challenge. But with you don't have to visit them, though, as well. No, it's So here's a classic, right? So last night, uh, and there's been a room ongoing about Ukraine now for, for days, yeah. for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. People are, and actually, the, the best bit about that room is hearing from the people who live there. Mm. The, the, there are people who are living there who are coming on, they're talking about their experiences. But then you have other, these other people who are the, the moderators, if you like, and they're just filling your head with nonsense because what they're, they're doing is they're reporting on information. My, my frustration was they'd say, oh, there's all these videos um, online and, you know, are, are they hitting civilian targets or are they hitting military targets? And I'm like, well, why don't you watch a news bulletin and find out? Get your head exactly. out of Twitter for five minutes. I know. But oh, yeah. we don't watch the mainstream media because it's all evil and just tells us all garbage. Well, first off, that's garbage. Can we just stop that right now? Good, honest journalists exist in this yeah. world. A lot of them are in Ukraine right now trying to tell us what's going on. But you're not bloody listening because you're all too busy sitting on Twitter. Me, 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 me. You know, get off of that and actually watch some real bloody news. It just really frustrates me, especially when people are risking their lives to bring us the news. And if you the result the news... is, oh, I don't believe them because you know, they're all, um, you know, Putin's whatever. You know, it's like, come on. If you want a news channel that is truly global, because, you know, obviously for, for obvious reasons in the UK here, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of the BBC and its reporting, but at the same time, it's going to be UK centric, mm -hmm. um, unless you go to the World Service or something like that. A brilliant um, service. Sorry? A brilliant, just a brilliant service. I mean, they, they actually, they even put up new um, frequencies for Ukraine so that they could access oh, information yeah. just in the last week. Um, so that Yes, AM and FM, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, long wave as well. To me, the the truly global, truly impartial uh, news service is Al Jazeera. So that would be my go-to one for a mm -hmm. not, you know, I mean, I don't know how they fare with this particular crisis, but just generally speaking, to get proper global news that hasn't got a particular focus on any one area or a particular agenda, Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera. is really, really cool. And you can get it on your Echo. You can get it wherever you want. You get it on your phone. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, you get can get it on your phone. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I get passionate about this because you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, I, I, I get so frustrated. I've heard it so many times. People who shout at the shout at me around bias in news, and I just get so frustrated. I've worked in newsrooms. I know journalists. I know people who work really hard to tell the truth, mm. and you know, everything. Everyone has a bias. We all have a bias, one way or another, whether we're aware of it or not. And sometimes it comes through and works, sometimes it doesn't. But operationally, I, I am one of these people, I do not stand with the idea the BBC is a biased organisation. I don't believe it to be true. Um, what, what I would say, though, is that um, irrespective of bias, what the news is incredibly bad for, especially in this country, and I can only speak for this country, really, um, is anxiety-provoking literature. You know, anxiety is constant. If you listen to it, really, and I have an anxiety disorder, so I know what it's like to be anxious all the time. And you could just disappear down a rabbit hole of, of obsessive, intrusive thinking. And it's, that is not helpful for your average person, especially somebody with, with anxiety. Well, I, I tend not to watch 24-hour news for that reason. Because no, I especially, don't. especially in events like this, because the problem is they have to fill time. And I will say, I think... BBC, Sky, to some extent, other networks, they will try and give you the, the... It's essentially the same thing on repeat, right? Because that's how it works. That's what 24-hour news is. Mm -hmm. If you watch CNN in the States or MSNBC, it's like, I saw a, a promo, the war in Ukraine, you know, starts when... It's like, Jesus Christ, you, you know, you can't... You can't promo this. It's not a movie. And, and, and amping it up in that way, it's just horrible. I hate that. That's one thing mm -hmm. I cannot stand. It's where, and I know American news tends to do that. Everything's an event. And, you know, it's like, watch it here and come watch us for the news. And I get they have to get viewers in, right? That's how these things work. But that that frustrates me. Thankfully, we we don't do that here yet. And that's not something we do. <laughs> and we I mean, news like that. equals bad news, really, doesn't it? That's, you know, and nine stories thing, out of yeah. ten are going to be a bad news story. And then they'll have a feel-good one at the end or something. Mm. So, you know there is a lot of positive news out there and there are publications like Positive News that, yeah. that is just the, yeah. But you're absolutely right. Watch any news coverage and 
it's not going to be necessarily that good for your mental health. I watched. Uh, I, I saw the this week at the BBC News. The I think it was BBC News at six had its highest ever viewership of five point seven million viewers. I think on one night this week, and um, it shows you that the bulletins really matter. That's why I tend to go for the yeah, news. Yeah, me too. I tend to because I think if I'm honest, I couldn't sit and watch it all day. I'm not. I'm not going to gore on it. I cannot. I, I cannot stand the. Um, the tragedy porn that news can sometimes display. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not talking about hearing, you know, having to live in this rose-tinted world where you only no. hear good news. Because nobody, I mean, whether you've got an anxiety disorder or, or whether you're any pathology relating to you or non-pathology, you know, whether you worry about things or not, it's still important to know. Mm. So that I'm not suggesting for a minute that you hide and pretend, you bury your head in the sand and pretend that it's not, that it's not going to, it's not happening. But it, I think it's just the way in which it is, you know, there's been one world ending event after another for t- at least 10 years and, and it's, it's never ending. So then you, then it starts to become, you know, the paper who cried wolf. And that sounds awful because that then that undermines these big things like Ukraine mm. and it turns it into what you say, tragedy porn, you know, and that's not helpful for anybody. Can I mention one um, really good, succinct, potted uh, daily um, source of uh, what's going on in the Ukraine? Ukraine cast, all one word. Mm. It's a BBC podcast. Um, if you if you want to just limit your exposure to what's going on over there to about 40, 45 minutes a day, Ukraine cast, it comes out at about seven or so each evening which is going to be nine or so uh, in Ukraine. So, you know, you'll pretty much get up to date with everything that's happened that day. I know they're shifting to night activity, uh, but, you know, you'll get that the next day. Exactly, so, you get the yeah, podcast if you the next day. not sort of immerse yourself in it, but just have that once a day. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. I mean, I, I watch ITV News the, and um, I, I actually think the ITV News team are brilliant. I think they do an incredible job over at ITN. Uh, Channel 4 News, of course, they produce that as well. Um, and, you know, Channel 4 News is a, is a jewel in, in the UK broadcasting crown, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's an incredible bulletin. But I, I find an hour of news, is, even now, I think 10 minutes is enough. Yeah. So for me, it's ITV News at 10, and it, it just summarises the day well for me. And it's been interesting because, of course, you, you would believe at the moment if you only watch that bulletin that there's nothing else going on in the world right now. And, you know, that's exactly what the news is about. It's about focusing on what is important on that day uh, rather than filler. So um, you don't get any of that. It, it's just focused solely on what's going on. They have amazing reporters who are in there, um, you know, dodging, you know, I mean, I think one yesterday I saw, you know, face down a tank on his own, you know, essentially whilst, you know, they decided whether or not they were going to let him through. Hmm. Um, you know, they're facing it. For us, you know, it's easy for us to sit here in our world and just go, rubbish, don't like that. Yeah, well, you know, you you go and do it. (laughs) You go and try this job. It is not much fun. Um, But at the same time, thank God they do it. I want to move on to another topic because um, we, uh, this is a bit off topic for what we've been discussing today. But I I do want to bring this up because it's a subject which we kind of touched on a little bit before. We've talked about it privately. It's one thing that always sticks in my crow a little bit. And I know people come here now for the weekend edition to get, you know, real honest, raw conversation, you know, and debate as well, which I think is, is the key. We don't all think the same way and we shouldn't present it that way. We don't all think the same way. And I'm, I'm, that's good. And that's what this is about. Um, so here's my pitch, right? I uh, was thinking a lot about, as a result of, of some things I've been doing recently, where I've been talking to a lot of people who are just starting on the journey of learning accessible text, so maybe learning to use a screen reader, for example. And we talk about the frustration, the challenge of learning. And I've often said, you know, if learning voiceover or JAWS, you know, you're going to spend two or three weeks wanting to throw every single thing in your house out the window. <laughs> um and it's just so, because, you know, it just drives yep. you mad, right? It's like, oh, this thing, why won't it do what I want it to do and all the rest. But I also want to just throw into this, and I think we all know this to be true, but I think it's sometimes important to acknowledge it, that part of that frustration is driven by the simple fact that none of us want to learn this stuff. Let's be honest about it. I don't really want to learn voiceover. I have to learn voiceover. I don't want to learn JAWS. I have to learn it. Because it's the only way I'll be able to use the computer or use the phone. For me, that says 
I'm mourning my vision loss because mm. I absolutely love, I mean, they are frustrating, but I absolutely love the screen readers because that is how I access the world. Do you know what I mean? Um, they are going to be frustrating, absolutely. But I've always kind of, when there was no other option, you know, got with the program and, and kind of appreciated what they can do for me. Yeah, they are frustrating, but... Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, you're f you're far um, maybe earlier on the sight loss journey. <laughs> I know you've got you know relatively little vision now, but uh, do you think that you're mourning the fact that you are having to switch? Oh yeah, yeah. no doubt, no doubt yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. I um, because for me, sorry, have you got? Uh, was it central vision loss initially, or well? It just gets blurrier and blurrier and blurrier to yeah. the point where it just becomes a mess of blur. I mean, it's like a camera just going out of focus. And and every bit of glare as well, hey, that you know, yeah. that's there. It's, the glare kind of interferes with everything. I remember mm. that stage. And it's, it just gets so frustrating, right? So you, you're, you're, you're angry at that. And don't get me wrong, I would say that this takes me back to 2017, truthfully. Maybe now I feel I can talk about it a bit more. I've always edged on it, but I've never really talked out about it because mm. I've... Never really knew how to articulate it, but it was interesting how I managed to marry these two together. In some ways, the, the frustration I felt with learning the tech was really just a projection of my feelings about what I was going through mm. onto this piece of software. JAWS and VoiceOver got it in the neck because I just couldn't deal with it. And, and I, in, a way, in a way, maybe that wasn't a bad thing, right? Because it gave me a distraction to focus on. It gave me something to, to do. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I love using my computer with my screen reader now. I, but it's a hill you have to climb to get to that point. Once you reach that that point, you know, when you get to the top of the hill and you feel that you've finally done it, when you realise that you're more capable as a result of it, I mean, I actually find I got through things quicker. I got through my emails a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. I was doing things faster. And suddenly I was thinking, this is this is actually good. Because I wasn't then feeling the pain of trying to see something, to do something, to achieve a job. You know, everything just felt like an endless... I, I honestly, I am amazed I am not hunched over, um, like Quasimodo, because, you know, I was constantly just leaning over desks at screens. And, you know, I'm a, a big guy, right? So I'd always hit the keyboard with my tummy and um, you know and you'd be like why, why are, what are those letters coming up on the screen oh I've done it again uh, you know and all this kind of stuff and it just because you were trying to see all the time and I'm not I, I never want to say, suggest to anybody give up what vision you've got I, I don't think you can do that I mean Sally you it's said something possible. to me no but you said something to me that it really stuck out right you, you asked me while we were having coffee would I be prepared to and I should say just for, for understanding here, I use sleep shades a lot of the time because I find it, if I close my eyes to use the computer just because of the light and the glare around me, I find I just end up falling asleep. That's, you know, naturally, yeah, just as you close your eyes, you mm -hmm. just start falling asleep. Whereas um, with the sleep shades on, I can keep my eyes open. Don't see a thing. But Sally said to me or asked me the question when we were out that day, would you be prepared to wear those sleep shades and walk down the street? And I'm like, no way. Um, you know, yeah. that's where I'll use what I've got a little bit of, because at least then I've got a bit of a sense of a heads up. Maybe <laughs> uh, not be perfect, but it's better than nothing. But I think I think there's a point, and I think that we're kind of talking about an additional thing here as well, which is processing and how you... Because I remember this on my journey. of, I mean, I had very little vision at the beginning, so probably maybe 5%, something like that, as a child. And... Um, I do, but I do remember having a long, long time to adjust to the fact that it was going. And what I found the most difficult actually was not just the grief of losing the aesthetic value of that vision, but also the the processing shift between visual processing, which is what your brain automatically does. I think if you have vision, you use it for processing in some way, um, irrespective of what type of person you are you know how what kind of a learner you are you, I, I still think you do use it for processing and I think that when you get to that point on your journey of vision loss you know when you really realize that you really can't process things visually anymore that's a big switch for your brain and I think it does take time I think Stephen that might be part of what you're 
talking about here, you know, the shift in processing ability from using your eyes to process things to then using your ears and, and all that that entails. There's an inherent lack of trust, I think. For some reason, I, I trust my ears less than my eyes, which makes no sense, right? But Well, you can come a cropper, particularly when you're moving through the world mm. and there's a big branch there or a lorry's wing mirror. Absolutely. So, you know, that's normal. That's natural. You're kind of shifting from... Um, you're still in that transition phase, basically. Yeah, Whereas, and I think that's you know, the I've... hardest phase, isn't it, Robin? Don't, wouldn't you say? Totally, absolutely. Because you, you, don't, you don't want to give up the the reliance on whatever vision you've still got, you know, and that's a kind of a sliding, you know, it's a transitional phase which could last for decades. Mm. So for me, I've, I've got absolutely no, not even light or dark anymore mm. for about, I don't know, 15 years, 10 years, definitely. So maybe the fact that you need to step out and, and be confident because you don't want to spend the rest of your life being timid when you're out and about means you gradually, you know, trust your ears more, um, just kind of get confidence more. Similarly with using speech output only, you know, you begin to appreciate the fact that, wow, these keystrokes mean that I can fly. And you get really frustrated when, like on the Mac, for example, it doesn't feel keyboard first, a keyboard no, first operating system, mm -hmm. unlike Windows. So, yeah, I mean, but this transition period, it's really hard. And I, I you know, I went through it as well, I think I was really lucky because everyone in my family was blind. So we all just got on with it, kind you of, know, yeah, normal, did it together. banging into each other and stuff like that, just <laughs> completely normal. And did you and, know that you were going to be blind from, you know, like from birth, did you know that it was a downward trajectory? Yeah, we did. Um, from year dot, really. Uh, my mum has the same eye condition. My dad was registered blind with something else. Um, but as soon as they saw, you know, every year when we went to Moorfields Eye Hospital for an appointment, a checkup, as soon as they detected it, you know, we knew the way we would go, i.e. like mum had, mm, mid, mm -hmm. early mid-twenties, no useful vision. But, you know, it was fine because she, you know, was a brilliant person. So you just got on with it. And as tech came along in the 80s, cool. Yeah. Now, mm. you know, things are looking up. So... um but still, you know, to transition, it's the transition. And you talked about grief. I think there's a lot of that. And frustration. What do you point the frustration at? Well, this stupid, you know, amazing Screen stroke, music, stupid yeah. new tech that you're having to use now mm. instead of your eyes. And I think that's um, the point for me. Is it, yeah. and, and in some ways that helped because I think a lot of people do turn it against their partners, do turn it against their families. And... It's for obvious reasons. I mean, and, and a lot of, and, and it's obvious, but it's not obvious to the people around you because all they want to do is help, and they just feel that all they're getting back is anger, and they don't really understand the anger. And it's important for people who are part of this journey. It's not just you. I think often in a, and I see this a lot in the activist community. It's like, well, you don't understand it because you're you're not part of it. You know, yes, you might be my husband or you might be my partner, but you don't really understand it. That's you kind of need to try or we need to, we maybe we need to do this because we're going through this we can articulate it better than someone at that early stage in the journey who cannot articulate this yet hmm. who can't turn around to a partner and say look i'm just having a really bad day i just need time just leave me alone i just need to grieve this myself and i'll come out of this hole i will get out of it but you've just got to give me time if we could all just say that it'd be fine but we can't no and i, I was lucky I, I was lucky in a way because my my wife is visually impaired we were both going through something similar. In some respects, it kind of helped having her there. I think I, mm -hmm. I prefer that to the alternative, if I'm honest. But um, I mean, I don't. I've, I've had one sighted partner partner in my life, um, and it. Um, but but interestingly, she was also disabled through another condition. So mm -hmm. there was a, a an understanding, you know. Um, mm. So that that was always quite interesting. I've, I've, I would say I've never had an able bodied, if that's the right phrase, partner. Um, and in a way, I'm kind of glad about that, you know. Really? I often thought, although, but yeah, yeah, but weirdly, I always thought when I was growing up, that's exactly what I'd want. I would want someone who wasn't disabled. But weirdly, now on the other side of all this, I'm so glad I have. I didn't really, I don't think, I don't think I thought about it until I met other blind people because I grew up the only blind kid in the school, only blind kid in my family, didn't know any other blind kids really apart from one 
when I got to age 11, I met one blind kid and he was so vastly different to me. We actually get on really well now, but I think at the time, you know, he was very different. He was totally blind. I wasn't, I was into street stuff. He wasn't, you know, at the time. And it was just very different outlook on life. Um, and, you know, it's just so, it's so different when you're in that stage, you know, being the only blind person in the school or whatever. Um, I forgot where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are I we talking about again? It's well, the partners, person. Yeah, part, partners oh, yeah. yeah. Can I just make that point again? I'm mm. so sorry. Is that all right? Mm. No, all I was going to say, I, I was the only blind kid in my school, only blind kid in the family. And I, I never really thought about blindness versus sightedness, uh, in air quotes, until I met other blind people. And it was only then that I kind of differentiated in my head. So for me, I just, I just don't, I don't think I think about it. I think, but the first time that I did meet my current partner, we've been together for quite a long time, 17 years. Um, I did think, to, I did feel self-conscious. I'm not going to lie. And I did feel different and I did, feel, but I think that the good thing for me, uh, I was lucky enough not to have to go through the sight loss journey per se, whilst I was with him, I'd already gone through that you know, before meeting him. And therefore I was already quite happy with my identity as a blind person. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about the person. You know, if that mm -hmm. person happens to have a disability or if they happen not to, but be cool that you have, you know, that's fine. It's it's about the person. And if that person's right for you, then fantastic. We, you know, as disabled people, or at least I was never able to assume that I would meet somebody so I was just hugely grateful yeah, me too. that somebody did come along yeah, me too. <laughs> who'd have me but and that um, was the same yeah, it's yeah weird, totally. it all felt that way yeah, yeah. But that says a lot about us and where we sit with ourselves I would say mm. you know that yeah. feeling of being grateful because we shouldn't have to feel grateful that somebody would approach us or whatever but yet we somehow do and I think as I've got older certainly as becoming a parent and all sorts of things what I'm passing on to my kids is like no yeah, they're both sighted, but irrespective of that, you know, I'm not grateful f to my partner for being with me now. You know, I'm just, I mean, I know we were kind of joking about it, but, you know, there is something serious about that, of being, having to be pious all the time because we're blind. And, and I think that actually it's safe to assume that we have a lot of qualities about us that are appealing to other people. And we all know brilliant, brilliant people who are st still single and would love to meet someone. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, who haven't necessarily got a disability that exactly. we know about. Yeah, exactly, that's right. It's yeah. not unique by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, hmm. But it is, it's, it's a very interesting topic. I'm, I'm interested to hear what people think about this. And um, The weekend edition was meant to be the, the upbeat show. I don't know what quite happened to this. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's, do it's it a Sunday moment. now. It's a Sunday. You know, we're Sunday, having the, yeah. the Sunday yeah. version. Yeah. But I think but that journey, though, is, is key. Yeah, it is. And that journey needs to be discussed more because I think it is a difference isn't it between people who've been born blind and people who aren't who are becoming blind or, or whatever you know who are on, the, on that trajectory no matter how small your sight loss is there is a, a grieving process and we have to acknowledge that because if we didn't it would just be completely false in my opinion. I remember speaking to a wonderful woman from Australia years ago when I worked at the RNIB and she talked about being fully sighted, losing some of her vision, so being partially sighted and then going blind. And she described mm. that experience in her life as happy, sad, happy. And that always stuck with me, how she referred to that. Because at that point, I was, I wouldn't say I was in a happy place, but I wasn't in an unhappy place. And I was okay with my life at that point. My sight was fairly steady, pre-2017. Pre, uh, and I thought, okay, things are okay. And then when she described this to me, I thought, <laughs> if I get this all wrong, um, but it kind of, what it did do is it kind of shone a light on the fact that partially sighted people do tend to have, I'm not saying a harder time of it, because I think that's all relative, but, you know, there is a, a challenge that comes with partial sight, depending on the level of vision. When it sort of tips over, I often think of it as the car that's kind of hanging off the cliff. And when the point comes when you've had to evacuate the family from the car because it's just about to go, <laughs> in my case, it's like the car is now stuck perilously on the edge, but it will never actually fall off unless something dramatic happens. Um, and that's why I started taking these new tablets this week, because if I don't take these tablets, I am going to probably end up with hypertension that could probably rid me, rid me of the rest of my sight. And, you know, 
even though I, I hear people say it's, it's a happy experience, I'm not entirely sure I want to go down that route. <laughs> I'm not going to pour acid in my eyes, guys, all right? It's not. It's never going to happen. No, and, and, and I think that's kind of, you know, it, it's happy in relative terms because what you think of is you think of the grieving process and, and how difficult that is, the transitional phase, when you are stuck off the edge of, you know, hanging off the edge of a cliff. And... Um, then when you get to that point past that, it is a kind of liberation, I would say. I don't know about you, Robin, but I would definitely say yeah. it, it was incredibly liberating when I realised that I didn't have to try and use my vision anymore. Totally. You know, it's, it's just, there's no trying, you know, you just get on with it. And you can, you don't have to have that, Stephen, you've always talked about a bucket of sight, you know, and, and this kind of yeah. budget <laughs> of, of how much sight Daily you budget. can use in the day, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And that, when you're blind, just doesn't exist. And you don't and have to also, think about it. The stuff that's going on inside you around, you know, how you're finding it challenging wise or, or, you know, as you transition. But there's other things, there's, there's how people react to you as well. And when you lose all your vision and it's completely evident that you can't see a darn thing, mm -hmm. people know where they stand. And there isn't any misunderstanding. You know, for, for a decade or two, I had this thing where people couldn't tell I would be doing faux pas after faux pas or I would bump into people and you know make you know make them kind of wonder why on earth I did that sort of thing yeah I mean people were always nice but there was always kind of um you know bumping up against other people's uh, you know lack of understanding and that's totally fine because you're not projecting as a blind person so you know whether it's the time when you get a white stick or a, or a guide dog and I mean there's challenges there as well because you might still be using some of your vision but they automatically assume you've got none so that you know we could talk about those challenges as well but um yeah how other people react to you during that transition is part of the challenge as well it is and and the way that people react to you can sometimes especially when you like you say robin when you first get that white cane i as a woman and i don't know how this is as a, as a guy but certainly have encountered a heck of a lot of input from the sighted public you know somebody grabbing me from behind and all that kind mm. of stuff and i'm sure you guys have touched on this ample times on the show so i'm not going to ex expatiate about that but i definitely think that in itself is a is an acclimatization process you know i'm going to look up expatiate or whatever that was you just said but <laughs> Waffle, also, basically that's what yeah, it okay, means <laughs> yeah, I, I, you two are intelligent people i know nothing but here's the thing <laughs> i actually do think that's a really worthwhile conversation one day to have because yeah. um that is exactly how Sean Priest and I met. We had a conversation about the white cane that really just it connected us because we talked about the white cane and we talked about the fact that having the white cane was something we would use up until the point we would turn into our street and then we'd fold up the cane, put it in our bag yep. and then make yep. our way home because we didn't want the neighbours to see us. Not that, of course, <laughs> the neighbours didn't have cars, drove past me probably every day, <laughs> knew I used a cane and they're probably wondering, why does he just not use it all the way to his house? Um it was just, it was all in your head. It was just one of those things that you had to, and it was so frustrating. Now, of course, I don't, I, I don't think about it. I don't care about it. I just, because I have to, I don't have the choice. Exactly. exactly. And that's when you have the yeah. choice. Yeah. When you have the choice, Stephen, that's when the, the grief is still there. That's when you're hanging on by a thread. And actually when you don't have the choice is when the real kind of work. It's quite freeing. Yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. so. Uh, look, I want to end on one thing because I want to end on an up note, or if this is an up note, I don't know. But um, <laughs> Mobile World Congress happened this week, and it was a bit of a, a low-budget event, to be honest. Just a lot of companies are still a bit nervous about getting out. There wasn't a huge amount of announcements. Samsung announced a new laptop, uh, the new Galaxy Book 2. Um, but there was a product that I wanted to bring up. Now, for those of us who struggle to sleep at night, I thought this might be quite interesting. Um, so Mobile World Congress happened in Barcelona and the, uh, one of the products on show was from a company called Go Sleep. And uh, it's an air purifier, a wireless charger, a Bluetooth speaker, and mood light all in one. Ooh. But that's not the feature that everyone's talking about. Because all that's good, but that's not what this is really all about. The product is called Sleep Air. And its intention is to induce drowsiness. That's its main feature. Now... This is not some clever concoction of like a pillow spray, but it is a light level of CO2, carbon dioxide. Ooh. <laughs> so they say, basically the marketing pitch is this, right? Ever felt drowsy in a closed car or in a crowded classroom? Well, it's because of CO2 or rather higher levels of CO2 than normal in the air uh, in those potential situations. And the company says that according to research, um, elevated carbon dioxide concentration indoors 
stimulates the, I'm not going to attempt to say what that is, something in the brain, the lowest part of the brain, basically, and the lowest portion of the brain stem, which plays a role in controlling heartbeat and respiration. The result of that, of course, is you get sleepy, right? So this is a device made by a South Korean company. Looks apparently like some kind of odd hybrid of a high-end speaker gone wrong and a rotating column fan with a, ro a long rectangular arm attached for good measure. Now, the arm floats over when you sleep. Looms is maybe a better word for it. Oof. Distributing the sleep air alongside an aroma and ASMR sounds for 15 <laughs> minutes. Oh, my goodness. The base column <laughs> conceals a replaceable CO2 canister. Now, once you finally fall into slumber, it will then supposedly analyse your nighttime environment too. So it measures humidity, temperature, CO2 concentration, light levels and noise. And from the app, you'll be able to be advised on the best conditions for your sleep. Now, they say that they know the optimal setup for getting you off to the land of Nod is um, using sound tracking to monitor total sleep time, number of snores, deep sleep, sleep diet, all that stuff. Um, but ultimately, this product is attempting to uh, use CO2 and ASMR to send you to sleep at night. Thoughts? Oh, Sean doesn't like ASMR. I don't like He's ASMR a either. He's a guinea. <laughs> Anytime we do a demo of, a, of an ASMR skill. Um, well, I can't comment on this one. I certainly know that on a morning when there's been two people breathing in a room overnight, there is a definite, um, you know, when you open the door on a morning out of your bedroom to go downstairs and let the dog out, the air feels a lot a kind lot of fresher, fresher outside yeah. the door. <laughs> that's one yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. not, not stinky or anything, guys. I'm talking about, no, you know, but muggy, it does, CO2. It, it is, there's definitely a human kind of, you know, there's a thing yeah. of everyone breathing in the same air and a stuffiness. Yeah, all right, Robin. Don't, don't get don't get paranoid. It's all right. <laughs> but for me, the two things that have revolutionised my sleep are exercise and no caffeine after two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh. Just saying. Mm. Well, so I had a coffee sleeps... about two minutes before I went to bed last night. Bad move. I don't well, know. Well, did you sleep, Stephen? Night? Yeah, I did. Well, actually, well, I, I didn't have a great sleep last night, but I think that was probably because of the heat in the room. Probably too much CO two. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Was, I, I should say just to be very clear about this you know people might be concerned about the idea of carbon dioxide all around the place because co2 mm -hmm. or high levels of it can cause permanent brain damage and lead to uh, comas and even death ask your doctor if co2 is right for you um <laughs> but yeah is that I, an I, asterisk at the bottom of the marketing <laughs> materials well so the side effects on, on the american it drug is. ads you always see this yep. isn't it? it's like you know may cause everything including death Ooh. um but, yeah, I mean, obviously the intention is to give you just a little bit. That's one thing I don't want the software to fail on. I mean, if you're going to have that in the room, then you, you want to make sure it works. Uh, yeah, but can I just say one thing before yeah. you go? Um, as somebody who is a horrifically bad sleeper, um, you will try anything. Yeah. We will try anything. And That's I think true. that, so I think personally that for me, in order to feel safe with this device, I would have had to have exhausted, if you'll excuse the pun, all the hey. other possibilities, <laughs> um, you know, ranging from exercise, as Robin said. I think these kind of key things that we all forget, and especially as blind people, if we're not working or whatever, or if we've got differences in routine, parents, all those kind of people, um, we have to remember that diet and exercise are over and above the most important things mm -hmm. when it comes to sleep. But, mm -hmm. You know, not excluding sleep disorders and all those kind of things that are exceptional circumstances. You know, in the main, when you're not talking about things that are caused by sleep disorders, you are looking at a good diet and good exercise. So, and I find that even as an incredibly bad sleeper with problems with my circadian rhythm, I still find those things really help. Yeah, yeah well, thank you to... Uh... Thank you to Dr. Sally, as always. Uh, Get out of our surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, thank you as well very much. Thank, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, thank you guys for being with us. Uh, keep your comments coming. I'm sure you've got lots you want to say, so please do let us know your thoughts. Uh, you can get in touch with us. Hello at blindguytalkstech.com. You can also find us on Twitter at blindguytech. You can call as well and leave us a voicemail on 0204 571 3354.